I don't know if it's the summer heat or what, but my four-year-old, who gave up naps months ago, and my two-year-old daughters have both been going down for afternoon naps lately. Whatever the cause is, it is a total gift from God. So after putting them down for a nap and sneaking down the steps, carefully avoiding the parts of the wooden floor that squeak and creak and wake kids up from naps, I look around the main floor of our home and lunch sits out on the table, half eaten, and the kitchen is in desperate need of a tidy and the laundry needs folding and some writing could be taken care of, some freelance writing that I do. And I'm so tempted to use that entire nap time, however long it is, or sometimes it isn't very long these days, to just clean and organize and do some writing that pays the bills. And it is an act of the will to walk around piles of toddler toys and dishes in the sink and laundry in the basket and plop myself down on the couch and spend some time simply creating and spend some time simply being human writing in a journal, reading a good book, sitting in silence, praying, enjoying quiet moments where no one is asking me for a snack. Why is it so hard to prioritize creativity? Why is it so hard to cultivate creativity? And why is it tempting to spend my time doing things that either have a productive end, like I clean the linen closet, I mop the floors, I knocked out load after load of laundry today, or some things that come with a paycheck at the end. That and more is what we're diving into in this episode of the Letters to Women podcast. Now, this is not a podcast where guests and I talk about the one right way to be a Catholic woman, and it is not a show where I sit down with other women and we share a set of expectations for Catholic women today that leave you feeling left out or out of place. And instead, what you'll find here are conversations with women in a variety of seasons and stages of life, and you'll hear about how they are living out their own unique feminine genius. And all of these conversations are offered to you as encouragement for you to discover more about who you are and how the Lord is calling you to live out your feminine genius. My name is Chloe Langer. I am a Catholic wife and mom living in Kansas City, and I'm coming to you from the basement recording studio. The girls are down for their coordinated nap, and I am really enjoying the chance to have a conversation about one of my favorite topics, which is the feminine genius, and to be able to share those conversations with you. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with Grace Babineau. She is a wife, a mom of two, and she recently wrote an article on Verily Magazine that I loved called Thrift is the really romantic thing about why saving money might be the best thing for your marriage. And today we're talking about thrift and romance, but we're also talking about things like the virtue of simplicity and prioritizing creativity in seasons where it's easy to write that off as a luxury or a selfish desire and how to actually cultivate time in your day for creativity. So whether you're wondering how in the world creativity can fit into your daily life if you're barely having the time to take a shower, or if you're interested in learning about how simplicity and thrift can actually be romantic, sister, this episode is for you. Today's episode of the Letters to Women podcast is sponsored by Sacred Heart Tea Company. There are so many fun, lovely little traditions that we have around the Langer house that are centered around tea. Joseph and I make mugs of tea as we wind down for the evening after putting our girls down for the night. I love sitting down with Maeve and Ada for little tea parties on summer rainy afternoons around the house. And when calming down for the night proves a little bit more challenging than normal, I brew a mug of tea for Maeve to sip on during our bedtime reading time. Sacred Heart Tea Company creates loose leaf teas based on the lives of the saints. So not only 
Is it a great addition to your evening or maybe your morning tea drinker and your morning routine? It also is the chance to learn more about the saints and about their stories. Their tea shop features greens, blacks, and herbal teas, as well as caffeine-free teas for those of you who are joining me in an evening tea routine. And if you don't know where to start, I would check out their Communion of Saints sampler, which features sample sizes of all of their teas. You can find out more at sacredhearttea.com and then use the code LETTERS, all caps, to get 10% off your purchase at checkout. That's sacredhearttea.com with the code LETTERS for 10% off. Today, I'm welcoming Grace Babineau to the podcast. Grace is a wife and mother of two in Concord, New Hampshire. She's an advocate for finding creativity in the everyday, wearing bold earrings, and mentorship in all stages of life. She holds a master's from Tufts University in child study and human development and has a background in Shakespearean theater. Grace, welcome to Letters to Women. I'm so excited to get the chance to sit down and visit with you today. So excited to be here. I love the bold earrings part of this uh, bio. You can't you can't see this listener, but it is very it is very accurate. <laughs> Your earrings tonight are so cute. I just love them. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about thrift and romance and creativity. But to kick off the conversation and for listeners who haven't gotten the chance to meet you yet, Grace, can you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? So I am a cradle Catholic. I was born and raised in a big uh, family. I have eight siblings and I grew up in an environment where my parents were consistently sacrificing um, to prioritize the faith in our lives and to always keep us close to the sacraments. And um, so that has, my faith has just been such a, um, a core part of my life. And I think two things I would say that have been consistent throughout my life that have helped me to maintain my faith so strongly, I think have been always having Catholic witnesses within my life to look to, to, for examples of holiness, and then also having um, been given the gift of Catholic education from, you know, when I was, when I was young um, through my college years. And those two things have really been such a foundational aspect of my faith. Two other, I think, highlights of my story that I wanted to share with you. Um, the first was for me, I mean, highlights where I really grew in my faith and developed personally as a Catholic woman. The first was when I studied abroad in Rome, my junior year of college. And this was so foundational for me because it was there that I was uprooted from everything that I you know, all the people and places that I knew and loved and was really challenged to embrace the faith as my own. And I just fell in love with the Catholic faith through the beauty and within the art and architecture of Rome. And this is where the Lord really called me deeper into love with him by, you know, by falling in love with that that beauty within his church. Um, and then another highlight of my story that I wanted to share where, which is really like it's happening kind of right now and or continuing to happen now, but becoming a wife and a mother, um, particularly a mother, um, that's where I, I really just gained this deepening of my faith because I face the question every day of, handing on that faith to my children. And it's like the saying goes where, you know, to really learn, to really know something, you have to be able to teach it well. And that's, that's what I'm experiencing as a Catholic parent. And I have just been 
in awe of this realization taking place in my heart, um, this this call to to look at my faith and proclaim that this is real and true and worthy of my entire life and worthy of sacrificing everything to pass on to my children. So I am really living that that reality right now and in growing as a Catholic woman. But um, yeah, that's a little bit about my story that I wanted to share. So I love your reflection, thinking back on how your parents raised you and your eight siblings and the sacrifices that they made to pass on the faith to you. And and I can imagine that that appreciation of that sacrifice has deepened as you have deepened in your own vocation of as, as wife and mom and started seeing the reality of what sacrificing for your kids and your family looks like in your own life. Oh, absolutely. I like, I feel like I have so many flashbacks to moments where my parents were teaching something. And then now I'm doing that now. And I'm like, okay, now I see it. And this is, and this is why they emphasize it so much when I really didn't think it was important. So it's just like, it's come full circle and it's, it's really beautiful. Um, The vocation of motherhood is just, it's so perfectly designed to help you continually sacrifice and like fall in love with Christ through that sacrifice and carrying the cross. And it just, it blows my mind like constantly. So Grace, I first discovered your writing over at Verily Magazine, where you recently wrote an article called Thrifting is the Real Romantic Thing. And when this came through my email from Verily, it was an immediate yes. That is something that I want to read. Thrift might not be the first thing that comes to mind though, when we think about romance. Although G.K. Chesterton he would beg to differ. So what does he have to say about thrift and romance? And tell me about why his thoughts captured your attention. Of course. Yeah. So I actually first encountered G.K. Chesterton's thoughts on thrift within um, Lila Lawler's Summa Domestica. Yes. I'm not sure if you've heard of I it. I love that it, book. Yeah. And series. It's yes. so wonderful. It's, so it's, it's a three-part series about creating order and wonder in the home. It's wonderful. And there was a section in the first chapter where she was talking about, you know, single income families and how, um, and just like being economic, especially as a woman, when um, you have to steward your resources and from living off of one income. And so she quoted Chesterton and I was immediately captured by his words. And I went straight to the source, which is his essay on what's wrong with the world. And So he has a whole section there on the romance of thrift. And it was so fascinating because he actually talks a lot about how a woman and her within her feminine genius is called to this um, or particularly connected to this virtue or ideal of thrift. And he points out how a woman's call to her family and her home requires her to learn a great deal about so many things and acquire a multitude of skills, you know, from, you know, we know as mothers from cooking, cleaning, educating, counseling, like so many things you have to learn. And so this characteristic of her vocation, this, um, this broadness, if you will, really emphasizes a need for thrift, a need for her to steward her resources well and see the value in all things and recognize how to intertwine her skills and be efficient, not with just her material goods, but with her time as well. And Chesterton calls this a kind of magnanimity, a greatness of soul within the woman and a creative mercy, which I think comes from a woman's ability to see the value in everything. And I was just so inspired by his words and it brought me so much reflection within my own vocation and and on the, the greatness of my vocation, which was really very inspiring. When Chesterton talks about how 
this magnanimity, this thrift extends past physical things and also extends into a woman's use of her time. And that I love that in that reflection that you were giving on his words where there mm-hmm. is such a thrift in the way that you go about your day as a wife and a mom where minutes count and nap times count and have this different mm-hmm. weight in them than they did before kids came into the picture. And so I, the fact that this thrift extends not just to, I think what for, may, may first come to mind when listeners hear this is, oh, to go thrift store, like to go to a thrift store and get things instead of buying yeah. new. And like, I think that's mm-hmm. a component, but it's also, it is very much a way of life and, and a way of entering into to homemaking that, that extends so much deeper than just the things in our homes. Oh, absolutely. And I think also this, you know, the connection of thrift to creativity, I think also emphasizes a woman's ability to see value in everything and also, you know, her unique gift of being the sanctuary of human life. So um, it's really cool to kind of to see that connection of thrift and creativity within the feminine genius, which, which Chesterton so beautifully describes. In your article, I love that line that thrift as a form of creativity finds distinct manifestation within married life. Can you give me a little bit like practical, practically, what does this look like for couples within a marriage to mix romance and thrift and to do so creatively? As I mentioned in my article, the soul of romance is creativity, right? And creativity is about life and newness, inspiration. I think just simply put, a really great way to start practically mixing romance and thrift is by focusing on the other and letting yourself be surprised by the gift of who they are. Um, I have a favorite, one of my favorite authors on creativity. He's a Hungarian psychologist named, it's a funny name, so uh, bear with me, but it's Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. And Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi talks about how To be creative, we have to train our minds to be attentive to new things, to be surprised by new things and be curious in a healthy way. So I think applying this to, um, you know, romantic relationships, always like taking on a posture of being surprised by the other and being interested in what interests them. And I think this really can fuel, you know, a a relationship of romance and thrift because um, it's, it provides you so much, so many like I think things to talk about and things to do when you are open to learning about what the other person is interested in and and open to sharing what you're interested in. I, I think like an example of this within my own life, when I was pregnant with my first daughter or with my daughter, my only daughter, um, I had really terrible morning sickness and we just didn't really have a lot of time to, to go out on date nights. And, you know, I didn't really have a desire to go out either. And so I, I am a big reader and my husband enjoys reading too. So something we did to connect with one another was we started reading a book out loud. We actually read The Wind in the Willows and it was such a beautiful experience of, so it created this shared experience where we could enjoy something together and then extend our own interests and skills, but also grow closer together. So I think, you know, simply put, being thrifty in romance doesn't mean just you know making a date night budget and sticking to it it means not wasting any experience that you have with your spouse or significant other to grow closer to them and being intentional with the time that you do have two things that come to mind when you're talking about an, an, an intentional curiosity about the other. I love the posture of curiosity is, is first, this is so helpful. I don't know if you have this experience as you have the longer that you have been married, but there is this tendency to think, 
well, I, I know everything that there is to know about this person. We've been married for oh, you know, four, five, yes. six years. So surely there is, that's it. We've reached that. We plumbed the depths. Yeah. When, when the reality is that there is always something new to learn. There's always something that is surprising about the other. If we have this posture of curiosity, instead of just writing it off as, no, I already, I already know that. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you think about yourself, like we are, we're always interested in new things. Like every day, you know, yes. we're like thinking about something new or like, like trying to learn something like, and so if you kind of flip that onto the other person, like they're always going to be there, you know, have things that they're interested in thoughts running through their head. So I think seeking that out, you know, especially like you said, as, as you know, uh, a wife who has been married several years or just or for a longer time where they, they feel like they've covered all the bases, like we are constantly growing and adapting. So we can always learn new things. Another instance that came to mind when you were sharing this is couples who don't necessarily at first glance have a lot of shared interest. I know my husband and I sometimes fall in this camp where we have a couple of things that we enjoy doing together in the evening or on a, on a very rare date night outside of our home, <laughs> uh, which keep getting rarer the more children that we have. <laughs> but just that interest in for instance, like in Joseph and I's marriage, it's he he is very interested in speakers and sound equipment and good music. And there's a little bit of crossover in that with my interests, but on the, the tech side of things can be a little intimidating. And so, but I have noticed in those situations, which are not as common as they should be, like <laughs> not to paint myself as like the epitome of this or perfection, but, yeah. but those nights where I do get genuinely interested in, and even if that even if that intention behind it is, I, I don't think I'm going to come out of this conversation with a working knowledge of, of this aspect of a, of a speaker system, but I do want to know more about mm-hmm. Joseph. I want to know more about him because I love him. And starting with that can really, like you said, I love the opening the doors to different, just learning about the deeper aspects of someone that might just be easy to write off and say, oh, that's just kind of their hobby that they do in their time. That's not something that we do together. So I don't really need to know about that. Yeah, exactly. And I I totally resonate with this because my husband and I also have like very different interests. And, you know, it's a constant, I think, um, striving of like of sharing what we're interested in. But I think you're right in that, like, just I think that seeking out, like you said, like, we're not trying to be like, necessarily take on that interest. I think it's really beautiful when couples do develop interest together or maybe like take on an interest that their spouse has. That's beautiful, but it's not like required, you know? So I think just like seeking that or or wanting to show them that you are interested, that you want to know that you care, it's important. And then like, and then I think that can also really help with, you know, for example, maybe gift giving or just like knowing how to love them better is like understanding their interests is a huge part of that. Um, I've definitely found that's the case um, within my relationship with my husband as well. Grace, I, I have loved getting to know you through your blog, A Graceful Journal. And a while ago, you had a post about everyday creativity after the birth of your daughter. What does it look like in your life, not only to cultivate creativity as a woman, but also to prioritize it in daily life? Mm. So for me to cultivate creativity in my life, I have to consistently remind myself that who I am and my vocation are complementary. They work together. And so when I'm not flourishing, my vocation is going to suffer. But when I do make time for my my interests, my creative habits, I love my family better. And the more I do this, the more I see God's call, you know, for me to be creative. And as mothers, it's so easy to put our hobbies and our interests aside and to like, and to kind of paint them as these almost distractions from our family life. But I think it's absolutely doable if we are resolved and realistic. So like, for example, within my life, within my own life, prioritizing creativity 
sometimes looks like really leaning into like right now in my life, leaning into nap time. So, and for me, this can be difficult because during nap time, I am instantly hit with a million different things that I could do. And I could literally just, you know, walk around the house and just like clean up mess it mess after mess, or just like, you know, the deep clean this, or just like tidy this. Like I could, I could do it and spend the whole time doing it. But I know that this time where my children are asleep and I have time to myself, it is, it's important and most valuable for me to prioritize my prayer and then like my creative talent. So I try to do like a five minute tidy up and, you know, just to like set to bed any of the messes that are just like really bugging me, uh, like five minutes and then like sit down and like pray and then like make time for my writing. And it's, it's a daily challenge because it can feel selfish, but I know that when I'm like prioritizing my, myself and my personal well-being that I'm going to love my family better because in the end like when we sell ourselves short and like you see ourselves as not creative or not worthy of like creative habits then we're selling God short like that's just the, the truth of it and so when we choose to look for the beauty within ourselves then we can praise his creativity and his genius so much better. I think this might be a particular challenge too as a stay-at-home mom, which I'm in the same boat, where there is this temptation where during nap times, which who knows how long you have, it could be five minutes or it could be could exactly. be 55 minutes or an hour and 55 minutes and you never know. And so there's already this tension there. But then too, this pressure, whether that's internal or external of, well, I need to do something productive with this time because mm. I, I have this time and I need to do something with it. And so I think when it comes to creativity, there can be this thought process around creativity where this is, this is, well, this is just a waste of time. Like this is just leisurely. This is, this is lazy. I could be doing all of these other things, but, but I think the way that you're speaking into it in, in terms of cultivating it and prioritizing it and not in a vacuum, not th this is my nap time creativity and it doesn't impact other things, but because it impacts other aspects of your life and the way that you mother and the way that you are a wife, that it is, you are worthy of that. I, and I think too, that there's probably for women listening, a lot of different lies that need to get unwrapped around that. Like I am worthy of sitting and creating something just for simply for the sake of creating it. Exactly. And I think something too to remember as mothers when we get stuck in this lie of like, you know, this this is taking away from my family and home life. And not to say like our family and our home life, they always come first. Like right. that's we always have to remember that priority. But I think like there is there is a place for this. There is like an importance to this. Um and so, but remembering that like when we foster our creative gifts like we are even if our you know our littles who are napping can't see in that moment we are providing an example for them of how to to give their talents back to Christ and so I think remembering that like we want to grow our children to grow up with a witness of that and and so I think that can shed some light on the importance of it because we want our children to use the gifts yes. that God has gifted them with. Yes. It goes back to what we you were sharing in the very beginning of the conversation where unless we are so, like, unless we have a true deep knowledge of this because we're living it out ourselves, it's really hard to teach. It's really hard to, you know, that, that dissonance mm -hmm. between, oh, well, here's this, here's Plato, go create and play. But I'm not giving myself the freedom to just go create and play as a mom. That can be like, there's a little bit of, of a tension there. Absolutely. Sometimes when we think about 
creativity, we think of things like painting or sewing or baking. And all of those are wonderful ways to create and some that I love to enter into. But I think there's also two creativity in our daily lives as women in other areas. So what does it look like to embrace creativity and thrift when it comes to things like arranging our furniture and creating spaces in our homes that are both practical and delightful and creative and and lean into this romance of thrift? So I actually listened to a podcast a while ago and I don't think it was exactly, it was on creativity specifically, but one thing I remember from it was they were talking about how this kind of this way of thinking about creativity that I think is especially applicable to our homes is to think about being creative as the combination of two otherwise like normal regular things in a unique way so helping us see creativity as a relationship and not something that we build from scratch and I think this this power of creative combination is very helpful within our homes because it allows us you know it shows us how we can start being creative right now without having to, you know, go on a shopping spree. It's, you know, being creative in our homes is is such a simple thing. You know, whether it's, you know, putting fresh flowers in an old vase that's been sitting dusty in the cupboard or rearranging the pictures in a new way or, you know, looking for a unique piece that's going to work with something that you already have. Um, I think it's really easy to focus on, you know, creating this Pinterest perfect aesthetic within our homes and, you know, feeling the need to purchase everything all at once to create this look. But I think thinking of our homes as these organic entities that grow and change and adapt with us can help us remember that, you know, the beauty and the creativity is not just in the decor, but it's in the intentionality and the love that we give to our homes to make them peaceful places. And also, you know, what we do within them. I've, this year especially, I've been really praying with the virtue of simplicity because I feel like the longer I am a mom, like the more I've realized how like all the things that our culture tells us that we need, we just, we just don't. And it's so, you know, overcomplicated and just like overstimulating. So I think this, you know, virtue of simplicity calls us to refocus and remember that, you know, how we are living out our faith um and focusing on god like he's the only important one and you know all the things the decor will pass away but you know he will he will remain and i think that you know the value of thrift is something that can teach us how to you know best use not just our material resources but the spiritual emotional and physical resources that we have we have to be wise and thrifty with the gifts that he's given us so that we can share his love as abundantly as we can. Oh, this is so good. Grace, I could keep you here all night. And there have been so many things that you've shared where it's just, oh, I, there's another mom who's setting the tidy timer and then making herself stop the cleaning. And so many times where I've seen myself in this conversation through what you've shared. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm, I love learning more about you through your writing for listeners who would love to continue this conversation with you about creativity and thrift and motherhood and, and being a wife and, and, a, and, and creating a home. Where can they connect with you to keep that conversation going? Yes. So um, they can connect with me at my my blog, gracefuljournal.com, or um, they can get with me on Instagram. My handle is Gracie Beth Babs. So um, I would love to continue the conversation there. And I have just loved chatting with you, Chloe. It's I feel like I could continue all night as well. <laughs> 
Oh, well, I have one last question for you. This is the one that every woman who comes on the podcast um, answers to just round out the conversation. And it's this one. How do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life, especially as a woman who's embracing creativity in her daily life as a wife and a stay-at-home mom? Mm, So I I loved reflecting on this question, Chloe. And so I wanted to first share, to answer it, to share this quote that I recently read. And it's a Jacques Philippe quote who I love and his writing is amazing. So he says, to pray is to regain the heart of a child and marvel at the beauty of God. And I wanted to share this because I think this really reflects how I'm striving to live out my feminine genius in my daily life by receiving all of God's gifts and marveling ever more and more at his beauty within them. You know, whether it's loving my daughter when she falls and scrapes her knee or learning to garden or writing about beauty or play. These are all ways that I can reflect God's beauty in a song of praise back to him. And it's what I'm striving to do right now in my life. I love Father Jacques Philippe. I've been reading his Searching for and Maintaining Peace and that's been my meditation lately. And it's so good. That's like another song. That one is, so small. That's so yeah. impactful. <laughs> Such a good one. Oh, but so I, good. I love that reminder for, especially I think for women who are listening and who are in a season of mothering little, little kids where there's so often so many parallels and reminders of our own interior life and that the reminder when little kids come to you and they just they just want to be with you they don't have anything they want they want to do with you necessarily they don't have anything that they're like requesting they just want to be right there and just real realizing mm-hmm. that that's the beauty of prayer and how how ironic and and seemingly countercultural it is that to, to deepen in our prayer life it is becoming littler and littler and getting back in touch with what we we had in the beginning mm-hmm. i feel like i'm learning that every day my i'm like Every day I'm like, wow, my daughter is teaching me may- way more than I feel like I'm teaching her. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's often, beautiful. Yes, yes, to have that like student and teacher and, and have that be a coexisting role. So, so good. Oh, Grace, thanks so much for your time tonight. This has been absolutely delightful. Thank you so much, Chloe. It's been a delight for me as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Letters to Women. Check out the show notes for my conversation with Grace on my website, Letters to Women Podcast dot com or scroll down in your podcast player for links to read grace's article on verily about thrifting and discover more of her writing over on her blog in the show notes you'll also find a link to sacred heart tea company that's the sponsor for today's episode and finally you'll find a link to sign up to my newsletter nap time notes once a month i share about the books that i'm reading both to myself and the girls some braggable thrift store finds and updates on where we're at on our adoption journey plus the podcast that i'm listening to Naptime Notes is always going to be free, but if you subscribe at five bucks a month, you get early and ad-free access to all of the Letters to Women podcast episodes before they go live. If you listen to the podcast and you love the conversations and the guests of the show, please leave a rating and review, especially if you tune in via iTunes or Spotify. And if you know someone who would love to listen in on this conversation with Grace, please send it their way. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you'd ever want to share about a guest that you'd love to see on the show or share about your experience as a listener, you can send me an email at letters to women at gmail.com. I love connecting with listeners and I'd love to hear from you. And that's all I have for today's show. So until next time, be not afraid.